Oh, okay. Okay, we're live. All right, well, um, we're going to get started. If you guys want to make your way in here, you can see everybody's enjoying the sweet fellowship of being able to see everyone's entire face this morning. So, well, good morning and welcome. It really is a joy to be with you guys this morning and, and a particular blessing to be able to see your smiling faces out there. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Sam Dawson and I serve as one of the lay elders here at UBC. And this session is actually the third in a series that we began back in February uh, when Stephen Martin talked to us about loving one another. Okay, and then in March, Cole Pinnock took us through the command to bear with one another. And this morning, we're going to look at the command to encourage one another. Uh, and then over the next two weeks, we're going to complete this series with uh, being hospitable to one another next week. And then the following week, serving one another. Okay, so... That's where we've been, that's where we're going in this study. Uh, and with that, let me open us in prayer and we will jump in and get started with encouraging one another. Father, what a privilege it is to gather around your word as those who have been redeemed by the precious blood of your son, Jesus Christ. I do pray this morning that you would speak to us through your word and that we would be sensitive to all your spirit has to say to us through it. Lord, we know that all scripture is breathed out by you and that it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness so that we can be made complete and equipped for every good work. And so I pray this morning that we would um, receive your word with meekness, that we wouldn't be hearers who forget it, but faithful doers who act upon what you are teaching us. Lord, I ask that each of us here would be changed by what we hear this morning and that your truth would impact the way we think, the way we speak, and the way we act toward one another. And most of all, uh, that it would help us become more like Jesus, and it's in his name we pray, amen. Well, as I said, this study is called One Anothering, which is kind of a funny title. It's not exactly uh, grammatically correct, but the idea is that we're thinking about how God has called us as the church to live in community and fellowship with uh, one another. And this is something that's very, obviously very important uh, to God because the New Testament is packed full of these one another commands. So I mentioned five of these commands that we're going to be covering in this study, but beyond that we see all throughout the epistles these imperatives to do things like live in harmony with one another, welcome one another, admonish one another, care for one another, be patient with one another, be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Sing praises with one another. Speak truth to one another. Seek good for one another. Stir up one another to love and good deeds. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Be humble toward one another. And on and on. And the context of these commands show that they are primarily intended to speak to the believer's relationship to fellow Christians within the local church. So if you want to know how to be a faithful Christian, a great place to start is to join a local church and just start doing all these things to the people in your church. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, it almost really is that simple. Because these really sum up what it means practically to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So here's a question. What's the first and greatest commandment? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right. What's the second great commandment? That's right. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said there's no other commandment greater than these. And they aren't two separate commands. They're actually connected in that the second one flows from the first. In other words, our love for God is expressed through loving our neighbor. Which is why 1 John says anyone who does not love their brother or sister in Christ does not know God because God is love. And then it goes on to say that if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So how do we demonstrate our love for God? By loving our neighbor. And how do we love our neighbor? By obeying these one another commands. So by putting these commands into practice, we build up the body of Christ and we exemplify the love of Christ to a watching world. And so these, uh, clearly these one another commandments are critical and foundational uh, as part of our lives together as fellow believers in Christ and fellow members of UBC. And the command we're going to consider today is to encourage one another. And before we get into the text, I just I want to say something briefly about our need for encouragement. So for those of you who were at the men's retreat last year, Ed Moore actually talked about encouragement. Uh, and he, he mentioned these three movies, Rocky, Rudy, and the pursuit of happiness. And basically these movies are all examples of guys who really didn't have much encouragement coming their way from anybody in their lives. But they found a way through sheer willpower and belief in, their, in themselves to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and be able to achieve great things. And so there, there's maybe a couple of people in, in our church here that are, that are superhuman and that have this kind of Rudy or Rocky uh, kind of ability, but that's not most of us. Most of us actually really need encouragement because life is hard, right? I mean, we're all going through this journey of the Christian life together, and man, it's, it's difficult. Things can be really hard. And so we need each other. We need each other to come alongside us, to help us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to build us up. So, so Ed's uh, reminder to us and my reminder to you is like, don't treat each other like Rocky and Rudy. Let's not make the mistake of assuming that everybody's just got this and that they can handle it on their own. Because we know we can't. We know how much we benefit from being encouraged by others. So let's be mindful of how much our fellow church members and brothers and sisters in Christ need that kind of encouragement as well. Okay, so let's get into uh, the command to encourage. So we're going to look at where we actually find this command to encourage one another in Scripture, and we'll talk about a few implications of it. So... This idea of encouraging each other is actually found all throughout the New Testament. But specifically, where we find the direct command to encourage one another is in 1 Thessalonians. Which, as it turns out, is also the book where Brad is starting a sermon series today. Um, so, so Paul gives this directive to the Thessalonians twice, very close together, in 4.18 and in 5.11. We're going to look at the one this morning in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So if you want to open your Bibles there. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. And so the first implication of this command 
that I want you to see is that it's rooted in the gospel. Okay, it's rooted in the gospel. And you might be asking yourself, well, how is that command rooted in the gospel? Well, Paul begins this sentence with the word, therefore. And when we're interpreting scripture, one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, what is the therefore, therefore? Right? What is this pointing back to that makes Paul say, in light of this, encourage one another and build one another up? So look at verses 9 and 10. He says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And there's a lot we could say about this, but I think it was suffice to say that being an encourager begins with a deep and abiding understanding that you don't have to fear God's terrifying wrath against sinners because it has already been poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross in your place. Okay, so if you don't understand this reality and the peace and the joy and the hope that can only come from the gospel well, then there's no way you're going to be able to give any meaningful encouragement to others. So that's the first implication. The command to encourage is rooted in the gospel. And then after therefore, Paul then says, encourage and build up. And these two Greek words, which are basically synonyms, they're two ways of saying the same thing, that are translated encourage and build up, are what we call imperatives, okay, imperatives, um, which leads us to our next implication, which is that it is a command. It is a command as opposed to a suggestion. And this should go without saying, I think, but for those of you with children, you understand the confusion that can arise uh, between these concepts. So you, you tell your kid to go do something, you tell them to go clean their room, and then you come back 30 minutes later and they're stretched out on the couch watching TV and you're like, what are you doing? I, I told you to clean your room. And they give you this look like, well, I didn't know I really had to do that. Um, so, so they fail to grasp the concept of a command and we we do the same things with Christ's commands to us at times. So these, these twin imperative verbs that are used by Paul to the Thessalonians are a direct order to them. Okay? It's not optional. It's not a recommendation. It's not advice. It's not a helpful tip that he's passing along to them. Okay? No, this is something that he actually expects them to do and he's using his god-given apostolic authority to tell the thessalonians hey you need to be encouraging one another and as part of the spirit-inspired word of god this command applies to us as well which means that as followers of christ this is something he actually expects us to do and to do regularly Okay, and it also means that if you are not regularly encouraging and building up your fellow members of UBC, you're actually being disobedient to this command. Okay, and if you're being disobedient to this command, then you aren't being faithful to how God has called you to live. And if you're not being faithful to how God's called you to live, then you're actually in sin and you need to repent of that sin. Um, and I wonder how often we think about these commands that way. Um, I wonder if we think about it as a command that we're really required to obey, and if we don't obey, we're, we're actually in sin, or if we just think of these one another commands as, well, you know, that would be a nice thing to do, but I mean, it's not the end of the world if I don't. 
or, yeah, I mean, I need to work on that. Uh, but in the meantime, it's not that big of a deal until I get around to it. Um, so we need to understand the seriousness of the Lord's commands to us, and that includes this one to encourage one another and build one another up. And that leads us then to the third and final implication of this command to encourage and build one another up, and that is that it's intended for the church. Okay, it's intended for the, ter- for the church. So Paul tells the Thessalonians to encourage and build up, but encourage and build up who? One another, right? Encourage one another and build one another up. And who is the one another in this context? Yeah, it's the members of the Thessalonian church. So if you want to flip over quickly just to uh, the opening verse of 1 Thessalonians, Chapter 1, verse 1, Paul's opening greeting, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. So this letter was written to a local church, which means that this command is to the members of this local body of believers. And although some of the epistles in the New Testament were written to individuals, practically all the one another commands are given in those letters that were written to churches. And so what that means is that this command to encourage one another is not primarily not primarily a command to encourage your coworker or your extended family member. Or your classmate. Those are great things to do. Uh, But that's not what's primarily intended here. Nor is it even primarily a command to encourage other Christians in general. Paul doesn't have the universal church in mind here. Again, it's a nice and commendable thing to do, but it's not really the point here. The point is that the members of that particular local body of believers in Jesus Christ were responsible to encourage and build each other up. And what that means for you as a member of UBC is that it is actually your job to be about the work of encouraging the other 651 members of this church. Now, obviously, not everyone can regularly encourage every single member. But if we're being faithful to obey this command, then every member should always be regularly encouraged by multiple members of this church. So again, it's great to encourage your unbelieving family member or coworker, or your Christian friend from another church, but it's not your primary responsibility. Your primary responsibility is to encourage and build up the members of UBC. And if we do that, then we're not only going to strengthen each other and help one another on this difficult journey of the Christian life that we're all on together, but we're also going to put Christ's glory on display to the world as they see our love for one another, as they see our joy in the midst of trials and the integrity with which we do our jobs, and our courage to live differently. And it's going to be hard for them to explain it in any other way besides that Christ is real because his power to transform hearts and lives will be evident to all. So is there any questions on that? Any questions on these implications? Any thoughts? Yeah, what's your question? Six sixty one, I you know I, it said six fifty two in the April directory, so I was saying you're one member, you've got six hundred fifty one others, but thank you for the correction. Six sixty one. Thank you. That's a good good call. Yes. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah, I think really, which is what I said, which is I think those are great things to do. And certainly what I would say from this is not, is not that you shouldn't do that. But I think if you're neglecting what, what I would see as your primary responsibility to encourage and build up those who are part of your local body, then you're not obeying this command. Even if you're being really encouraging to family members or others outside the church, those are great things to do. But what you're really accountable to, specifically as it relates to this command, is to be doing that within this church. Does that make sense? Okay. Anything else? Okay, moving on. So let's look at uh, biblical encouragement. So that's the command that we have from God to encourage one another. It's rooted in the gospel. It actually is a command, not a suggestion. And it's intended for us as fellow members uh, of this local church. So the next question is, well, what does it mean to encourage? How does the Bible speak about this idea of encouragement? Because we use this word pretty broadly. Uh, And so I, I think it helps to start with a definition and then look at the different ways that the Bible uses this word. So the dictionary defines encourage this way. To give support, confidence, or hope to someone. Okay? To give support, confidence, or hope to someone. I think that's a a decent working definition. Uh, In the New Testament, the Greek word that's translated encourage will also be translated as urge or exhort. Okay, so a couple of examples of this would be Ephesians 4.1, where Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the of the calling to which you have been called. Or Hebrews 3.13, where the writer says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So there's this idea of urging and incur- or, or exhorting. Um, and then another way that that same word is used is to comfort, to comfort. So we see that in 2 Corinthians 1. Verses 3 and 4, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So, same word there. This time has a different, kind of a different sense. Instead of exhortation or urging now it's comfort Uh, and then you have this synonym uh, which we also saw in first thessalonians 5 uh, that can be translated as encouragement but it's it's uh it's a construction term that's usually rendered as build up or edify or strengthen And, and so as you look at all this you start to get the picture that this job of encouraging one another is a multifaceted responsibility that requires different things from us with different people at different times. So I I think when you boil it all down, being an encourager just means that you're, you're a willing helper. It means that whatever the situation, you are there to give support and provide assistance to meet the needs of your brother or sister in Christ. Whatever that might be. So sometimes being an encourager will mean that we are urging or exhorting someone who's struggling. Maybe they're battling a particular sin or they're just unmotivated to do certain things God has called them to do. So in these cases, the encouragement they need is maybe just a loving kick in the rear. Right? They need to be challenged and exhorted to turn from their sin and walk in a manner worthy of their calling. At other times, to encourage will be to offer comfort to someone who is hurting or going through a really difficult trial. Maybe they've lost a loved one or they're going through a significant health challenge. Whatever it is, the encouragement they need is for you to just be with them, 
to let them know you love them, to pray with them, to offer them hope by pointing them to the character and promises of God. And there's going to be other brothers and sisters at different times who just need to be strengthened and built up. They may not be hurting or suffering in a severe way at that time, but man, a compliment or a kind word or a simple expression of gratitude could be exactly what they need to feel encouraged and to be strengthened, to press on and to continue to run this race of the Christian life with endurance. So what I want you to see here is that there's several different ways the Bible talks about encouraging one another. And I think intuitively we all on some level understand this, but I think it's, it's helpful to consider that to faithfully obey this command to encourage one another, we'll need to be ready and willing to give whatever help and support our brothers and sisters need in that moment, whether it be exhortation, whether it be comfort, or building them up. Any questions on that? Any thoughts? Okay. Well, with the rest of our time, I just I want to give you some practical ways that we can obey this command of encouraging one another. This is definitely not a comprehensive list. This is just some pastoral reflections, if you will, on different ways that we can be doing this as a church. And the first one is this. Don't be a discouragement. Okay, let's start there. It should go without saying that tearing one another down is counterproductive to building one another up. You can imagine how difficult a construction project would be if, as the builders are building, every few days somebody comes along with a bulldozer and just just plows over everything that they've been doing. Um, And that's kind of what we do when we go around criticizing people in the church. Sometimes to their face, but most often behind their back, right? Uh, When we just feel like it's necessary to point out every weakness that we perceive that a brother or sister has, or that we just have to get what we don't like about them off our chest to someone else who we think might share the same view. So we've all done it. It's not good. It doesn't edify or encourage anyone. It only tears down and creates disunity. Uh, And speaking of one another commands, there are actually negative commands of what not to do to one another, and this is one of them. Uh, James says in uh, James 5, 9, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So this is a command with a consequence actually attached to it, uh, saying that if you put yourself in the place of God by judging your fellow believer, then you've opened yourself up for him to judge you. And you don't want that. Because he has way more that he can rightly point out about you than you can ever point out about your fellow church member. So I would say as a general rule, talk to people rather than about people. Um, When you have a disagreement or an issue with them, um, if you see sin in someone's life that's problematic, then go to them. Um, and that's going to be one of our points of application here in a few minutes. And that can be a great encouragement if it's done in love. Uh, But if what you're saying about someone is not something you're willing to say to them, then it's likely best to just keep it to yourself. Okay, so that's, that's the first point of application. 
The next way we can be an encouragement is to pray for and with one another. So some of the greatest encouragement I've received from you all is when someone tells me either in person or via text that they're praying for me. That's a huge encouragement to me. And just this week, several of you have reached out to me either by call or by text uh, to let me know that you're praying for me as I prepared to teach today. And, and I just I can't tell you how uplifting that is and how much confidence it gave me as I was working on this because I knew that there were people in this church going before the throne of grace on my behalf. And James says the effective power of a righteous person has great power. The effective prayer, sorry. The effective prayer of a righteous person has great power. And so this is not just a nice thing to say to make someone feel good. But when you actually do the work of interceding for one another in prayer, and it has great power to give them actual, meaningful, tangible help. And then when you go a step further to let them know that you are laboring in prayer on their behalf, man, that is an incredible encouragement. And I would say that possibly the only thing more encouraging um, than for someone to let me know that they're praying for me is when they actually pray with me. So when somebody shares something difficult that they're going through or some need that they have, you could say, well, I'll be praying for you. And that's a, that's a good thing to say. Um, and sometimes you actually do pray for them. Uh, and at other times, maybe you forget and it doesn't actually happen. Or you could just stop right there and go to the Lord in prayer on their behalf. And I don't know if there's anything you can do that can encourage a brother or sister like that does. Because it's, it's one thing to know somebody is praying for you, but it's something else altogether to actually hear them pouring out their heart to God for you. So I would say try to be really intentional to do this. Sometimes it's, it's easier not to do it, or we may feel kind of awkward about it. Um, but, you know, we're all family here, and so this should just be a part of our regular practice toward one another as a church. So pray for each other. Let each other know that you're praying for each other, but also pray with one another. Any questions or comments on any of that? Those first two points of application? Okay. Third one is comfort those who are hurting. Comfort those who are hurting. That's another way we can encourage one another. It's comfort. So we've already touched on this aspect of encouragement, but I think it's important for us to remember that we all need encouragement every day. But there's certain seasons when we need it way more than others. And we need to be sensitive and be aware of when our fellow church members are going through a particularly difficult trial. And they just, they just need more care. They need more help. They need more encouragement than usual. And I can tell you that a couple of years ago, my family went through the most difficult trial we had ever been through. My wife, Annie, was really sick, and she was in the hospital for 10 days. And, man, it was really, really hard. And there were some dark moments uh, for us during that time. But man, the way this body came around us to comfort us during that time was unbelievable. Uh, some of you visited us in the hospital and prayed with us and read scripture to us. 
Others of you called and you sent messages letting us know that you were praying for us. Many of you sent flowers or Bite Squad gift cards. Um, There were all kinds of different expressions of comfort that all had the same basic result, which was that we felt so encouraged. I mean, when we were at our lowest, these acts of love from our church body lifted our spirits and strengthened us to be able to endure what we were going through and to be able to do that with joy and with hope. And I can tell you that there are many of your fellow church members who are going through things like that right now. It's all around us. There's health issues. There are sin issues. There are people who have lost loved ones and many other ways in which members are suffering right now and are desperately in need of comfort. So look for those people and find ways to encourage them. And it can be simple things. Really simple things can go a long way to offer comfort to people when they're going through difficult trials. Okay, another way to encourage one another is to recognize evidences of grace in those around you. So this is, I mean, this is a really simple thing. Ed Moore calls this, if you see something, say something. If you see something, say something. When you see fruit or evidences of the Lord's work in your brother or sister in Christ, tell them about it. Give them a compliment. Don't just keep it to yourself. Uh, Give praise to God for the good things that you see in them. This is an easy way that we can be building one another up. And and I would just say this shouldn't be confused with flattery, which is actually a sin. So flattery is when you give empty compliments to someone for the purpose of buttering them up in order to get something from them or in order to elevate their view of you. Um... That's not encouragement. That's manipulation. And it's selfish in nature. Um, But to recognize the fruit of the Spirit in the lives of your fellow church members and to share that with them, and that's an awesome way to encourage each other and to build one another up. Any questions or thoughts on that? Recognizing evidences of grace in others, this is pretty easy stuff. Um, Another way to be an encouragement is to lovingly rebuke one another. And this category may be a little more counterintuitive to some of you. Um especially depending on your background or your personality. Um, This one may feel a little different, but it actually is part of our responsibility to one another and one of the ways that we build one another up. So you remember that we mentioned earlier that one sense of encouragement is to urge or to exhort. And this means sometimes to encourage a brother or sister, we need to be willing to say hard things to them. And, you know, like I said, depending on your personality, this could be the most difficult part of encouraging others that you could come across. But Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So this means that part of the encouragement we need from one another is not just to be a cheerleader, but also to confront sin when that's necessary. 
And of course, this should always be done in love and humility and a spirit of gentleness. Um, But I think it's important to get our minds around the fact that in order to be faithful to this command to encourage one another, we have to be willing to obey every aspect of it. Which means that we can't just compliment and comfort all the time. But we have to at times be willing to confront as well. Okay? Another way to encourage one another is to express gratitude to those who serve. Express gratitude to those who serve. So there's a lot of people who serve really faithfully in in this church that allow us to gather together and worship this morning. So from the folks who serve in childcare to the deacons doing the sound or parking and greeting, um, we've got gifted musicians leading us in worship, we've got administrative staff who are doing all kinds of things to facilitate the ministry of this church. You've got pastors and elders who are working really hard to teach and to lead this body. Uh, And and just there's so many other examples of people who are serving really, really faithfully. And you would be amazed uh, at how encouraging a simple thank you can be to those who are sacrificing in order to serve you. Um, And I want to add, too, that you don't need to be thoroughly impressed with everything that they do in order to be able to show gratitude to them, okay? Um, We're all human. We all serve imperfectly. Um, But even if you look at someone and you see ways that they need to improve, you can still find ways uh, to encourage them. Genuinely encourage them. Genuinely thank you just for the effort, just for the labor that they're putting in on your behalf. Uh, at the church that I was at before UBC, I uh, led a, it was kind of in between what we would call a, uh, an ABF and a, a life group. And anyway, it was this precious, precious group of Mostly elderly ladies who were mostly black and Hispanic. uh, And they were just incredible. The same group at that time had been meeting together. uh, The same group of them for 20 years in the same house. um, And now it's more like probably 28 years that they've been meeting together because they're still meeting. And anyway, they they, they would always have different leaders who would kind of cycle through there. A different seminary student would come through every three or four years and, and lead that group. But anyway, teaching them was such an encouragement. When I would, I would work hard to prepare lessons from the Bible and I would teach them. And man, they just, they ate it up. Like, you know, when I was teaching, it was you were getting amens and mm-hmm and that kind of thing. You know, just like, and then afterwards, like it was just, Oh, that was so good. Oh, thank you so much. And man, it was just, it was the most encouraging thing. I always left there, Annie and I always left there just feeling like we were on top of the mountain because those ladies were so encouraging to us. Well, so so they always have, they've, they've had all these different leaders who have led the group throughout the years and they stay in touch with all of them. And uh, our church would every year had this uh, conference for pastors. And so many of the leaders from years past would all come back for Shepherd's Conference and they would all get together with these ladies at the Bible study. And they would have a cookout. And anyway, so we were there one time and one of the former leaders was there and he was, he was leading the, the devotion for us. And it was, it was so bad. I mean, the guy was just, he was all over the place. 
uh, you know, I'm texting with another guy who was one of the former leaders, and we're like, what is this guy talking about? This is terrible. Well, wh- what, are the, what are the ladies doing when, these, when this guy is teaching? The exact same thing they do when I'm teaching, which is amen. Oh, that's so good. Oh, praise the Lord. And I was like, oh, boy. Like, <laughs> it just hit me all at once. Like, oh, man. I'm maybe not as great of a teacher as I thought I was. Maybe the encouragement that I've been getting from these ladies says more about them and their willingness to encourage me than it does about my giftedness as a teacher. Um, and, and, and what they were doing wasn't flattery, okay? It wasn't fake. They just loved me and they loved God's word and they recognized that I was working hard and I was doing my best to try and feed their souls. And so even though I wasn't the next Martin Lloyd-Jones or Charles Spurgeon, they were grateful that I was serving them and it was easy for them to overlook my shortcomings as a teacher Uh, and their gratitude and encouragement was so uplifting to me. And it actually helped me grow as a teacher because it gave me the confidence that what I was doing was bearing fruit in their lives. So please, be intentional to thank those who are serving you in the church. It will go a long way. And it's, it's hard work. I mean, the things that everybody that's serving in this church is doing, it's hard. And it means a lot to just hear someone say, hey, I see what you're doing and I appreciate it. And even if what you're doing is not the greatest thing in the world, at least you know they're, they're acknowledging, hey, you're doing it, you're trying, and thank you for that. Okay. So finally, last point here. <clears throat> I think the greatest encouragement we can give anyone is to point them to Christ through his word. Point them to Christ through his word. And I think most fundamentally how you can be a great encourager is first and foremost for Christ's word to dwell richly in you. So this means regularly reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating on scripture. So that when you offer encouragement to others, you're just filled to the brim with the word of Christ. And what you say is not really from you, but it's his word speaking through you to them. So when a brother needs exhortation, you can point him to the word and remind him of Christ's commands and his responsibility to to obey those commands. Or when a sister is hurting and needs comfort, you can point her to the gospel and and give her hope in the fact that she's a child of the king and that her sins have been paid for by the blood of Jesus and that he has promised to never leave her or forsake her. And so I think you get the point that the best way that we can encourage one another and build one another up is to just continually point one another back to Jesus Christ through his word. But in order to do that well um, and to be able to point our brothers and sisters to the right place at the right time in the right moment, we first have to be immersed in that word ourselves. Okay, any, any questions, comments, thoughts on any of that? These are just some practical ways that I think we can be obedient to this command to love one another. I hope it's helpful. Um, so if there aren't any questions, no other comments, I'll just, I'll close this in prayer. Yes.
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the question is, this command to, to encourage one another and the members of our own church, I mean, that's kind of a, that's a broad category. As, as it was rightly pointed out, we have 661 members in this church, and yet you, as somebody who's trying to obey this command, is just, you're just one person. So how do you kind of prioritize um, who you're focusing your efforts on of encouraging one another and building one another up. And I would say, for starters, yeah, it just, you've you've got natural kind of uh, circles that you're involved in, and that is your life group. That is the ABFs that you go to. Uh, That's your friend group within the church. So certainly, you want to start there with kind of your, your core group and work really hard to be an encouragement to those folks. But I would say beyond that, it's great to try to expand your reach uh, and expand your circle as much as you possibly can with whatever margin you have in your life at that time. I mean, I just think we all have different capacity uh, for doing these things. So faithfulness for me is going to look different than faithfulness for you and faithfulness to the high school teenagers who's a member is going to look different than the stay-at-home mom who's got four kids that she's homeschooling. And so, so I think we just, we just all have different margin, different capacity, different uh, areas of influence. But I, I think basically what I would say is you, you just you do the best you can with what you have. And I think only you can know between you and the Lord Hey, am I doing the best that I can possibly do? Am I doing the most that I can that I can reasonably do? Um, is that helpful? Okay. Yes. Yeah, well, uh, it, we, we try to do that in our weekly emails. We try to, we try to bring needs to the body. So, so those should be known and should go out in those emails in general of just like the major health issues that are going on or deaths that occur in a family or, uh, you know, just major events that are happening that, that would require some extra care, extra love, extra concern. Those things go out. I would say also our deacons of member care are Mike Lawrence and Jack Gillian, and they are very involved with our homebound members. They're very involved with a lot of people who are going through really difficult things. So reach out to those guys, say, what are some needs? What are some people that I could offer comfort to, that I could offer help or assistance to? I imagine they would love to have that conversation with you. Um, always reach out to the elders because we, we are hopefully always uh, involved in knowing what the major needs and concerns are in the body. And we would, we would love to, you know, give you opportunities to, to offer different comfort to people who need it. Yes. Yeah, as well. Yeah, thank you. Ke- and Kevin said... Uh, when there are needs, if it's not known, always do let us know. Always let the elders know. Always let, you know, whoever know, your life group, your ABF, uh, so that as many people can be praying and coming around those folks as possible. Yeah, that's good. Brad. Yeah. 
Brad, you know what? I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing you from back here, particularly with the mask, but I'll tell you what. Why don't you come talk to me after we finish up here, and I'll, I'll, I would love to answer your question. Does that sound good? Okay. Any other questions or thoughts? Yes, Jacob. Yeah, so, so Jacob is, is pointing out most of the practical applications given here has been kind of what we do with our words toward one another, but there's, there's also ways that we can just meet physical needs that also can be a tremendous encouragement to one another. So yes, as I said, not a comprehensive list, but yeah, there's, there's plenty of ways of just, yeah, showing up to help someone move or you know, meeting a financial need that they have, or, I mean, you name it. There's so many different ways that you can offer help and assistance to people that are going to be a great encouragement to them. So, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Yes. Yeah, so the question is, how do we uh, challenge our brothers and sisters who maybe are not motivated to be diligent to read the Word, to study the Word, to memorize Scripture, those kinds of things? And I would say you can be an encourager to do that. And that goes back to this, this, uh, this sense of exhortation and urging. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you take them to the Word, you show them the urgency of how essential that is to not only to their Christian life, but to being a faithful member of this church. So that's a way that you can, you can do exactly what we're talking about. You can come alongside them and encourage them, exhort them, urge them to, to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point. So he, he's pointing out that uh, another way that we can be an encouragement to others is just by modeling that. Uh, and another way that you can grow in being a great encourager is by looking at others in the church who are doing that really well. And yeah, I mean, that, that could be a great point of application here is just look around at the people who you feel really encouraged by and that you see other people are really encouraged by and just do what they're doing. You know, like hang out with Ed Ray. You know, like Ed Ray is an animal when it comes to encouragement. I mean, he's out of control. And so you can, you can spend time with him and, and many others in our church like that who just give us a really great example that we can look to and be like, hey, that looks like Jesus, and I want to look like that. So thank you for that. Anything else? This is a really great discussion. Any other thoughts before I close this in prayer? Okay. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much uh, for your word that gives us such clear commands of what you expect of us, what uh, you expect of us as followers of you and what you expect of us as members um, of this church. And I pray that this church would be marked by encouragement, uh, that we would encourage one another and build one another up 
and that that encouragement would be uh, rooted in the gospel and that it would be uh, edifying and strengthening uh, to the members of our body and to our church as a whole. Uh, We just pray for our gathering this morning, that you would be uh, glorified in our worship to you today. And it's in Jesus' name that we lift all these things up to you. Amen. Thank you.